to Vegan Sympathizer, episode four. And we've got the special lockdown edition. And I'm here, I'm Don Steinberg. I'm here with Vance Lemkul. And um, I, get, I, I want to explain the Vegan Sympathizer concept for uh, listeners who are just joining here on episode four, if that's okay. Yeah. The concept is I'm the Vegan Sympathizer. I'm a lifelong meathead, meat eater. Actually, today I risked my life to buy two pounds of ground pork. And, but like a lot of you listeners, I've been getting more curious about plant-based foods, about having less meat, you know, if not going totally meatless, trying to change my mix, if not my whole life, and, and as long as it's not too inconvenient for me. And Vance, you know, I would say that you are a national voice on veganism. Sure. Yeah, national. Why not? You know, you're an author, a speaker. Yeah. A writer, a talker. Yeah. There's very few ways of expressing yourself about veganism that you have not tried. So It's true. And we've been traveling around Philadelphia trying foods. Um, um, you're helping introduce me to, to, to um, some of these things I have I've not tried before. Right. Uh, and um, now we're doing, uh, now we're in, lo- in lockdown here and, and kind of stuck at home and um, wondering, I think we're going to examine the question of if now is truly a veggie good time to be a vegan, as the newspaper said. Yeah. Well, I think you know my answer on that. Yeah. Well, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. How has the contagion been treating you? <laughs> well... I've been uh, thus far apparently uh, avoiding the contagion, so it hasn't been treating me at all. So, oh, that's good. I worry about you a little bit because um, they say one of the symptoms of the COVID is that you start to act really cranky, and I'm wondering how people would know. <laughs> I didn't hear about that symptom, Don. That's what. What's your source on that? It was on uh, CNN. Okay. Well, then it's got to be true. Um, and so today we're going to do some stay home stuff, some comfort food ideas, some movies to watch mm-hmm. um, that enforce your, your plant-based ideas. And so we're going to do that. I think probably start with the news. Yeah. And there's I, whenever we talk about anything, you always find a way to tie it back to the idea that people shouldn't be eating animals. Yeah. So we're staying at home. You know, there's this virus. It's just the way things worked out. Well, yeah, it's, is that my cue to take that and run with it? Did, that's just the way things worked out because we, you know, our species likes to confine animals and kill them and make them into food. And that's definitely at the origin of the vast majority of the deadliest communicable diseases that humans face and almost certainly at the origin of this one, although I realize there are some controversial notions that are being debated about that, so I don't want to say it's a hundred percent. So you're you're you're. I see. I, I mean, we're here. They're not playing baseball. They're not playing hockey. And you say it's because we like eat meat. Well, it's because yeah, our fellow humans eat meat. I mean, not because I eat meat, and yet I'm suffering the effects of it because you eat. It feels like it's not because you eat meat. It's because particular people did. Although, you know, this particular thing is tied to one specific place. Whereas if we look at the whole 
you know, sweep of the past uh, few hundred years, there's there's any number of different uh, afflictions that have come directly from people eating meat. So, I well, mean, that's where the pandemic originated. So it well, originated in our practice of interacting with animals in a way that is not nature apparently doesn't like us to do. So, yeah, uh, which is creating, making them into livestock. That's what it is. And that's what pandemic uh, and, you know, epidemiology experts say. So who am I to argue with them? But who are you to argue with them? That's a different question. There are other um, diseases. They had the bird flu, the swine flu, the cow, mad cow. Right. They seem to be like, you know, animals are... are or have these um, problems that that they're giving to us, and and we don't we don't like it. Yeah, they give them to us, just like they give milk. <laughs> Animals constantly giving. They're giving and giving and giving. Um, yeah. Well, I I, I don't know. Well, if you got to the supermarket right away, but the first things that were sold out besides the toilet paper, it was like beef. He was a run on on steak, and it was like, wow, people, you know, people know how to cook certain things, right? And there's not like me. I'm looking for ideas that I can cook that aren't meat. But people are like, oh, I know how to grill a steak. I know how to make a burger. Right. Yeah, I know how to cook hot dogs, but I don't know how to cook these vegan hot dogs. Right. Yeah. It. it, it, it <laughs> It, it, it could get super complicated. I think that's all part of the package of familiarity. People like what they're familiar with. Because they don't know how to make um, pumpkin. Yeah, a very common substitute for meat, pumpkin. Well, then they, 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 they thought there would be shortages because there were these outbreaks in these meat um, plants, right? Right. That uh, As somebody who's been shopping for it, I haven't been able to find... I found one block of tofu in over my past five supermarket trips to five different supermarkets. Now, that's been over five weeks, basically. But uh, tofu has been almost impossible to find. So uh, hopefully okay. that there's some meat eaters that are giving that a try. We'll see. The, there have been outbreaks of this disease in meat plants, right? So right. now people are really worried. Yeah. But haven't there been um, yeah, there have outbreaks... Been- Disease outbreaks at, at vegan slaughterhouses? <laughs> I haven't heard about them, but, you know, I, maybe they didn't want to tell me because they were worried it would, you know, upset my mm. my compunction to, to always err on the vegan side. But, um, yeah, well, there's a lot of people that are saying, now, why is it meatpacking plants that this is happening at? And um, I my short answer to that is that because meatpacking plants are run by the meat industry which cares for its workers exactly as much as it cares for the animals. Um, Some of these companies, though, do have uh, free-range ra- free employees. <laughs> well, they're apparently uh, a little more free-range than they would like, given that uh, we've had to have the president uh, actually step in and say, no, come on, guys, go back to work, no matter how sick you get and how much you're going to die on the line. The way that slaughterhouses are set up uh, is to maximize the amount of profit they can get, which means having the line going as fast as possible, which means having as many people as possible in a small space working shoulder to shoulder. And that's what they're right now having to try to find ways to completely retrofit these places uh, so that they'll actually 
have some possibility of social distancing. Uh, and they haven't had to do that previously because nobody was really paying attention and nobody said, hey, maybe you should have some intent other than simply making as much money as is humanly possible at every moment. It's a big ask. <laughs> it is. It's true. It's almost like asking, you know, your average person to stop eating meat for a month, which the uh, there is a campaign now, which uh, given that we're recording this on the 1st of May, a meatless May campaign has been launched not by vegans, but uh, by the labor union of uh, Latin American, Latino American workers uh, in Iowa. Uh, there's a national organization I've only seen the Iowa contingent actually pushing this so far, but making the point that, you know, if you want these workers to not have so much pressure to have to go back to work when they're sick, decreasing demand is going to help that. And if you want to, them to be forced to go, be, go to work sick, keeping that demand just as high as it was, that's how you do that. So you actually... You know, you can you can make a decision when you go out to buy something whether you want to vote for forcing workers into a death trap or you want to say, hey, maybe we'll give them a break for a month. All all factories are dangerous, not just meat. A bubblegum factory, you could fall in the vat right. and get chewed chewed out by your boss. Well, yeah, okay, I guess that's true. Um, well, you know, we're stuck at home. And everybody's going kind of stir crazy. We're trying to figure out what to watch. And I need to say, there's there's a, a, a film that I saw that not only got me interested in this whole, even the, doing the podcast and, and trying vegan foods, but like multiple people I've talked to is in the neighborhood have seen this movie Game Changers, oh, yeah. which, which is on Netflix. Very unlikely. My dentist said he tried to be vegan for a few weeks with his girlfriend. And my neighbor, who's a, an electrician, he's a conservative guy, and you know he, he, they're, they're, they're trying it too. Everybody is being convinced by this film to at least rethink their diet. Right. I got the trailer to play yeah. And we can we can listen to that if cool. this works. All right. One and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. I ate a lot of meat. They showed us commercials. Steak. That's what a man eats. Selling that idea that real men eat meat. Serious man food. But you gotta understand that's marketing. That's not based on reality. I've been teaching fighting techniques to government agencies for more than 15 years. Then I got injured, unable to teach for at least six months. I spent more than a thousand hours studying science on recovery and nutrition and stumbled across a study about the Roman gladiators. The gladiators were predominantly vegetarian. How could the original professional fighters be so powerful, eating only plants? When I made the switch to a plant-based diet, I qualified for my third Olympic team. I broke two American records. I was like, man, I should have done this a long while ago. When I went plant-based, I wasn't sure if I was going to survive. And I actually became like a machine. One of the biggest misconceptions in sports nutrition is that we have to have animal protein to perform at a high level. That's just not true. Sometimes you have to do things that you know your competitors aren't doing. Today's blood and yesterday's blood. I think this is going to wake a lot of people up. 
I was recovering better, not getting as sore. This was our best season in the last 15 years, and we had 14 guys on plant-based diets. We all want to feel great, have more energy. Cholesterol was 276. Today, 169. Whoa, now you're talking. Most guys my age can keep up with the grandchildren. My grandchildren can't keep up with me. It's not one set of dietary guidelines for improving your performance as an athlete. Another one for reversing heart disease, reversing diabetes. It's the same for all of them. Someone asked me, how could you get as strong as an ox without eating any meat? And my answer was, have you ever seen an ox eating meat? Wow. So what do you what do you think uh, that to, to, to people like me who um, who weren't really following this for, for a long time? That was uh, some pretty interesting and impressive information. Yeah, I mean, the, there obviously have been uh, a bunch of different pro vegan documentaries. Um, this one has two distinct differences. One is that it was produced by James Cameron. So the production values on it and the general shaping of it uh, is a lot more Hollywood-esque and a lot more uh, just accessible to people that way. But also it, because it's focusing on what's like considered a weak area for the vegan argument that, that uh, you know, vegans aren't as strong and manly and tough as meat eaters. And it takes that, it, you know, zooms right in on on that concept and blows it to pieces. Yeah, I, and I think that's, you know, what is attracting people who might not watch um, a more uh, uh, po political or preachy uh, vegan screed or documentary, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I saw the one Forks Over Knives yeah. and um, there's, there's others um, and there's, you know, they do sim some of them do similar things, but this one is like, yeah, that guy's a he's punching people in the face, you That's know, and right. he does so, yeah. and he doesn't eat meat, right? And it's, so, that's I, our I, standard in the society is that punching people in the face that's above all these other things that you can possibly do. So, when people see that, they're like, oh, I didn't realize this was something valuable, yeah, yeah. I think it's like the one of the first questions on the vegan sympathizer. FAQ. It's like, will I still be able to punch people in the face? <laughs> well, you know. Plus, it has. It's. It was. It was produced. Um, and and Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it. And yeah. Jackie Chan supposedly was a producer. I, I don't. Didn't remember seeing him in the movie. But um, you know, um, Brian Jennings is the boxer. There's weightlifters. Um, I like the guy who says, you know, people say, how can you? not eat any meat and be as strong as an ox. Right. And then he's like, uh, an ox doesn't eat an ox. What did he say? I forget exactly how he put it, but the point being that the ox eats grass. The ox eats plants, you know, right. are herbivores. And yet, right, so if you maybe you should compare yourself to not an ox or yeah. eat grass. Right. Well, maybe you should eat grass. Our, our, Secret. Are all the is the science in this movie work for you? Um, because they like they you know here's a test tube of your blood, here's your semen. It looks better than before because you're not eating so much bacon. Yeah, well, I mean the the joke being that 
they very expressly say in that scene, you know, this is just, uh, we're doing this for fun. It's, it's it, to be considered anecdotal results, whereas there, there's, you know, tons of peer-reviewed documentation of how nutrition affects the body and how uh, animal protein has certain uh, debilitating effects and that plants don't have, blah, blah, blah. All of those studies, you know, rigorously done, unimpeachable, but what everybody removes from remembers from the movie is that scientific experiment involving the the penises and the semen production. So uh, it it's I think it speaks I think to the the general appeal of the movie. And I would point out the fact that the movie is very consciously created to have a certain effect uh, in male viewers uh, that right. don't seem to care as much whether it has any effect whatsoever in female viewers. If more documentaries use that device in somewhere in the movie um, of measuring people's semen, maybe they all would be more effective. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but I, I mean, I understand why they felt that they needed to do it that way, and they did, and they it's been successful doing that. So they wanted to do a certain thing and that's what they did and they did a good job yeah well it's like the idea you it's about athletes and and people aspire to to look like that and feel like that right it's not like oh you know this person eats only wheat and tofu and they look like a regular person that's not the guy i want to emulate <laughs> right although you know i i wonder how many of the people that you even mentioned who had seen it and think of changing their diets are thinking oh now i'm actually going to be able to punch people in the face better or now i'm going to be able to go out and ride 100 miles on a bicycle without getting tired right but it does it does make the argument that you will feel better just on a day-to-day -day basis whether you know or not you're you're doing an iron man triathlon or right. something you, you you know you're still going to wake up and, and have more energy or not die, not die right away. Right. Well, you never know. You you are, you know, they have a, like a scene, a fight scene, right? You, is this guy going to win, you know? Yeah. Is he going to beat the, the guy who is fighting made fun of him for being a vegan, right? And the guy was taunting him and eating burgers, right? Right. Conor McGregor. Yeah. Um, and, and he was, and he, and he beat him up. That was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. There's, Let's talk about the next movie okay. that I thought I, I connected to this whole this whole idea, but it's not obviously a food movie. It's this movie called Fantastic Fungi, and it's made by this wonderful filmmaker who does this um, time lapse photography of nature, and he has done flowers and you know water and trees, and and he decided to do mushrooms. My mission is to discover the language of nature, and I believe nature is intelligent. There is a world under the earth, full of magic and mystery. It holds the consciousness of nature's connection to all living things. You know, these mushrooms, they can heal you, they can feed you, they can kill you. It's not like a vegetable, and it's not like an animal, but it's somewhere in between. They support life, they convert life. As you're walking, there's about 300 miles of fungi under every footstep that you take, and that's all over the world. The shocking thing 
is about how mushrooms are just so tied into everything about nature. They are under the ground. They connect all the trees. They help the trees talk to each other. They can like consume pollution and disease, and they can become medicine. And this is stuff is going to save the world. And, and plus, you can cook certain ones and eat them. Right. And uh, as I Brie Larson is the narrator. And she's, she, you know, she's nice. I didn't even know trees could talk to each other because, like, <laughs> what are they going to be like? Hey, hey, man, how you doing? Yeah. You know, what, do you, what, what, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm just kind of. You know what they're out. saying? They're saying, you know, people have spent too much time cutting us down. I say we go teach them a lesson right now. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Why are you under Move. They've been they've been oppressed for a long time. That's why they true. made that movie Roots. <laughs> what we get from seeing that and having that described is, man, we should really appreciate these organisms more than we do, and not just like look at them and say, oh yeah, that's pretty, and walk away. But we should really respect them more. And uh, and so the best way I would say to respect them is to not wipe out their ecosystem and most <laughs> ecosystems are as we speak being wiped out in order to clear land to provide food for food animals well you know the thing that one of the experts in the movie says about mushrooms and is that they're in between they're in between plants and animals there's a certain intelligence going on there right intelligence that's another word that so does that mean that is that make it more problematic to kill them and eat them because they're like almost sentient? What mushrooms? Yeah, sentient. I see. Almost sentient is kind of like almost pregnant because you're, you know, the concept of sentience is an on-off thing that was created in order to classify things uh, according to whether they're sentient and therefore deserve to be in the moral community. However. One of the key, as we talked about last time, one of the key aspects of sentience is being able to feel, being able to uh, to have a, you know, a, a reaction that shows that you can feel pain and have interests in being in pain or not being in pain. And that, to the best of our knowledge, requires a nervous system, which uh, mushrooms don't have. Do you eat, do you eat mushrooms? Yes, I do. Do you have any... Do you have any good recipes? Um, no. Well, I, I thought it was really cool. In the movie, they took out this giant, like, white, mushroomy blob, and and they said, this if you cook this right, it tastes like lobster or, oh, yeah. or, or crab meat. <laughs> Could be. I have not tested that myself, although I don't know that I ever actually had lobster back when I was eating animal so I would be the best person to judge whether it tastes like lobster well, people use mushrooms in like instead of a burger I got right. portobello sure yeah yeah and mushrooms they're high in protein and they they have uh, different you know nutritional benefits that many of which are on par with uh, with meat so what have you been e eating you know as as a comfort food as you've been kind of stuck at home uh, well uh, we have a jar of uh, dry roasted peanuts on the table that we often will just grab a handful of those as a snack. 
not planters, because planters insist on putting gel gelatin in their dry roasted peanuts, but hummus also uh, still trying to kick our hummus every day habit, uh, been spending, splurging on hummus with chips or with carrot chips or whatever. I was saying that if, if you eat so much hummus, you might die, and that would be homicide. Okay, very good. You always say that. Okay. Yep. Well, you certainly said in it fact, now. My, in fact, um, people in my house have asked me to stop saying it. Okay. <laughs> so, um... I was thinking that okay, are those like are there only like two or three vegan movies in the world? Yeah. And and uh, I was trying to think of other ones, and then I was thinking because I was thinking of the Avengers, which is okay. an anagram for the veganers. <laughs> okay. And then Good. I was then I was like, how far can I push this? So, Avengers Endgame mm -hmm. is an anagram for vegan rage ends me. Ah. Excellent. Okay. That appeals to me with my vegan rage. I like yeah. hope to, hope and to then, end people. I th I don't know. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. And, uh, and And then I was thinking, well, almost any movie in which animals speak is vegan in a way. In, in a spirit. way. Except let me give you a, 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 an odd example, which is Babe, where... You know, the main character, we come to know and love as a person, and the farmer, his owner, comes to know and love as a person and realize, oh, there's an actual person here. It's not just a piece of meat that I might have had killed. But Babe is, uh, like, succeeding in that by throwing in with the farmer and managing the sheep for him. And the sheep are all, you know, still just... <laughs> I mean, the sheep, obviously... To us, the movie watchers, they have, we see that they have separate personalities also. But the big picture is farming of animals is just reinforced by, by Babe's actions and by, you know, the whole message of the movie. So that's one where it's, it's kind of, you're getting yeah. two different messages at once. It's like every man for himself kind of thing. Yeah. Even in the animal world. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I... Kung, I was watching Kung Fu Panda, and um, all the animals can talk, and they're really funny. Right. And um, but then he's eating all these dumplings, yeah. and his father is a is a duck, right? Who makes noodle soup. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you can find vegan style messaging in any number of movies. I, I, I mean, I guess maybe I have a higher standard for movies that I consider to be vegan oriented or. You have mentioned a movie that I've never seen that is very, very indie, and it's impossible to even find. It's called Scotland, PA. That oh, yeah. you uh, talk about. not is seen it? Scotland, PA. I've never seen it. But oh. what, why is that a vegan? Is that vegan or because it's about burgers, right? Yeah, it's well. Scotland, PA, basically is just retelling the Macbeth story um, as taking place at the beginning of the '70s in a small town in Pennsylvania where. Um, a guy who was a donut shop owner uh, opens a fast food restaurant and his employee comes up with the idea to have a drive through um, and that gives him some success and then his the guy's wife gets power mad and convinces him to murder the the guy who was used to be the donut shop owner who of course his name is Duncan um, and they open you know Macbeth's uh, hamburgers, 
And uh, Macduff, Lieutenant Macduff, is played by Christopher Walken, uh, comes in to investigate the murder, and uh, he's a vegetarian. So there's um, the the point of the movie is not about vegetarian or, or or vegan. It's just that that's one of the elements that they that they bring in uh, to add a little. There's different oh. wacky things that they bring in to to make it just a kooky. I mean, Andy Dick is one of the three witches. Um, I mean, it has these bizarre elements. And one of the bizarre elements I mentioned on Facebook, and I'll mention this even though it's a spoiler, that there is a fight between Macbeth and Macduff that involves just very briefly uh, Macbeth managing to get on top of uh, Macduff and taking a hamburger that they're on the roof of the restaurant. It's not clear where the hamburger would have come from all of a sudden but love trying to get him to eat the hamburger uh and then the way that uh macbeth uh winds up dying is also uh what we would call vegan friendly so i won't spoil that because people should watch the movie it's not a great movie but it is a fun movie it's a very fun movie ah oh, all right it is the original macbeth considered vegan friendly because of what what would make well, if this was adapted from that. I, I don't, I haven't read Macbeth in a long time. I don't remember any insinuation that Macduff was vegetarian. I think that's something that the filmmakers decided to just yeah. layer in there. What, yeah. What were they cooking in that? In that I mean, it makes sense the, because, I mean, if you have somebody whose business is selling meat, then their adversary, the way to give a polarity to that is to make their adversary a vegetarian. So it, it makes sense uh, from from the premise that they had started with. But since the original Macbeth was not running a hamburger stand, I don't I think that that was it was very, very subtle in that play. Very subtle. <laughs> yeah. The witches were making a this beef stock at the beginning of this big cauldron of yeah. bubbling soup. <laughs> right. But um, in, uh, since we you mentioned retelling stories, let me mention the movie that I think is the most vegan-friendly and the most powerful, which is Noah, the 2014 uh, version with Russell Crowe uh, that um, Darren Aronofsky did. Um and Darren Aronofsky is a vegan, and I originally found out about the movie and found out that I had to go see it because uh, of the this news story that they were going to make a movie about Noah without using any actual animals. And they used no animals. It's all CGI animals. Um, and they showed that there's basically, as of 2014, no reason to use any animals in any movie from here on out other than just being lazy. But um, the... Uh, that's a case where they do take um, what I think are some actual implicit vegan messages uh, within that story and bring them out in a very powerful way. Um, and you have seen that movie, right? You know what? I, you're reminding me because wasn't it like they had two of every animal and then they were starting to get hungry on the yeah. on the boat. <laughs> and then they're like, look, if we eat one of these, there's not going to be any more ever. Right. right? It, yeah. There's a uh, there's a villain who is stowed away on board who starts eating uh, one of the animals and Hams I think it is says to him uh, you the animals are precious there's only two of each of them and 
he replies, yeah, and there's only one of me, which I think is a perfect line to encapsulate our, uh, our human arrogance in, in deciding that, you know, animals' lives are just to be ended at our discretion because we're the most important. But, I mean, it goes beyond that to, um, uh, to you know, this concept of what, you know, that Noah and his family are vegans, which logically makes sense that everybody... Uh, who was godly prior to the flood was vegan because even though they'd had the fall and even though God had respected Abel's animal sacrifice, there's nowhere where he's rescinded Genesis 1.29, which told everybody to just eat plants. It's not till after Noah lands and, you know, has another sacrifice and God's like, man, that smells pretty good. You know what? Go ahead and eat animals. Oh, so it brings that out by uh, you know like having no uh, that fight in the in the early on where no has to defend this animal or re uh, revenge this animal that these guys have killed and he's able to dispatch them and his sons say why were they doing that and he says he, they think it makes them strong and so uh. kind of a early uh, proto game changers message there. Um, so there's just, uh, I mean, I, I think the movie has, um, uh, a lot of powerful things to say. The, the image right at the beginning showing the garden of Eden and the, the apple, the hand reaching for the, the forbidden apple, but having the apple actually represented by a beating heart, um, suggesting that maybe the forbidden fruit and the knowledge of good and evil that that story refers to is the fact that we continue to eat meat even once we had evolved to the point of being able to tell that that was an evil thing to do uh, after we had already established agriculture. Um, I mean, there, there's like little moments like that that have these these ramifications that I can talk for hours about, but I probably... Yeah, you almost have. Short. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, um, the, 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 the directions in for the whole Noah's Ark, the instructions were really, really explicit about how much, how how, how many cubits to yeah. build, you know, how big to build it, and yeah. what kind of animals. I, I, did they even say like, you know, you might want to grab a couple pineapples, some bananas? <laughs> they, well, I think that God, you know, He trusted Noah to, you know, fill in those those gaps. He didn't Noah. He really, I think God had seen some of the things that Noah had built previously, and he was like, this guy is going to need micromanaging on the actual building of the ark. And then, but, you know, he's able to feed his people, his family, so he should probably be fine with that. I'm sure he brought like a sack of potatoes or something. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this has, been, this has been a nice break from doing nothing all day. That's right. Uh, so um, I'm just going to wrap it up. Well, it looks like we've come to an end of another episode of Vegan Sympathizer. Uh, we're giving people some movie ideas, some food ideas, um, some ideas for... For how to live according to your own beliefs? Yes. Okay. The time is now for destiny. The perfect battle recipe Who will rule the land In a world too hard to understand Animal versus vegetable 
of civilization If the vegetation rules the nation Animal versus vegetable The battle will begin The edible, the incredible Only one can win